0: There's a new British beat group on the market.
1: Yeah, this pop combo comes from Liverpool, England, way across the pond. Merseyside. And uh, me and Alex are here with our algorithm that gives us the perfect score for every album. And we are going to find out the truth about every single album by these young mop-top lads, the Beatles.
0: There's something so sexually unrestrained about their hair. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what it is. It's just so hot that they have bowl cuts. They all have matching bowl cuts and they wear suits together. It's just, it's getting the teens too riled up.
1: Yeah, the teens love those that suit look. They're thinking about business and business makes them think about money and they like money. But those—that those haircuts are too long for the workplace. That's what's so beguiling about it.
0: Yeah, how are you going to go to the factory looking like that? with a rock and roll attitude.
1: That's the Beatles' origin story, is they were all these working-class lads from Liverpool, and after high school, they all went to work at the factory, but they all wore the suits when they were, like, shoveling coal or whatever, and they saw each other. They're like, hey, we got a similar sense of style. We should uh, pick up a guitar. They got their hair cut off in a factory accident.
0: (laughs) It used to be even longer.
1: Yeah. They got trapped under a rock. Like, a big rock fell on them and ripped most of their hair off. Let's see, let's let's go back to where it all began though, on the album Please Please Me. Pitchfork gave it a nine point five, which to me seems like they're basically giving it that score because the Beatles are a big deal and it's their first album. I don't think the music on there warrants a nine point five. It's just yeah, like historically not, significant. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly
0: covers. There's like what? One, two, three, four, five, six covers.
1: Yeah. Almost half the album is covers. The only real, like, well, I guess Love Me Do is a memorable Beale song. I Saw Her Standing There is memorable. The title track, that's a great song. Yeah. Less than two minutes. Packs it all in there. The thing about 1963 was, like, nobody had actually rocked yet. So when people heard John Lennon's vocal performance on Twist and Shout, they were like, holy shit, like, it melted their faces off. Even though in retrospect, it's kind of like, I mean, that's like a a normal performance, man.
0: Yeah, he, like, had a cold and then sang it then, and that's pretty cool. It's not as good as the original one, because that one had Trade Martin on it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's just our way of uh, linking in Donald Trump to John Lennon here. You only have to go one degree of separation there. Um, Let's see what this album gets, though. What is the perfect score for it? 1.6. Ooh. That's pretty harsh. But here's the thing, half these fucking songs are covers, you get a zero on the covers because you didn't do any of the work.
0: Yeah, someone else did that for you. This so album easy. was easy.
1: Yeah, this album was looking at like a maximum of a five and it came through with a 1.6. So, you know, that's if you consider that a couple of these songs are tens, but then a bunch of them are trash, yeah, like that's not a crazy score.
0: I respect that on the song Boys, they didn't change the, uh, the gender yeah, to that make is it not gay. Ahead yeah, and they had song. Ringo sing it, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Maybe they were playing a joke on <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, they might have been. <laughs> Ringo's just sing about how much you love boys.
1: And then meanwhile, Paul and John were in the other room jacking off together, yelling out names. Bunch of normal guys. Yep. All right. Maybe we should move on to With the Beatles here. I always forget that With the Beatles is the one with the iconic album cover with, like, their faces in the shadows. If you asked me, I'd be like, oh, that's the first one, right? But no, it's the second one.
0: Yeah, it would be funny to do a parody of that now. Yeah, People used to parody that in like the 70s or whatever. (laughs) Just choose something that's not
1: culturally relevant.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I I tweeted it before, but I love the idea of doing uh, a debut album for a rock band and half of it is like Chuck Berry (laughs) covers.
1: That's
0: so funny. It's like three original songs and then a bunch of Chuck Berry covers.
1: Yeah, all these Chuck Berry covers that the Beatles were doing on their live at the BBC thing. Songs like Too Much Monkey Business, America's number one pop
0: combo. Chuck <laughs> Berry didn't have the balls to tell it like it is. Talking about my dingling. Yeah. <laughs> You're filming girls going pee pee. Just say the bad words, brother. It's fine. Or just make songs about filming girls in the bathroom. Yeah, like Girls on Film by Duran Duran. That's what it's about.
1: <laughs> so, let's see here when we get to the second Beatles album. Um I think actually to me this is the worst Beatles album. It has it like It might be.
0: It's uh feels very rushed a lot of it. Yeah. Like ooh, um Please Mr. Postman, all right. That's actually a good cover. I like that better than the original. I don't think I've ever heard the original. They don't add anything new to it really, but it's um
1: the way it's mixed is better than the original. All My Loving is, like, a good song by the standards of this album. But it's not in the top, like, 50 Beatles songs, you know? Yeah,
0: it's all right. Yeah, it's just all, all I've Got to Do, pretty good
1: song. Yeah, they're just doing Chuck Berry on here. Roll over Beethoven. Money, that's what I want, you know? Let's see, Well, what uh, is, Chuck we Berry's dead
0: now. He's old and dead, so he's as dead as Beethoven.
1: All right, this album gets... 8.6, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, there's no There's no explanation for that. I don't even want to try to fucking figure that out. Oh, I Want to Be Your
0: Man. That's the song they gave to Ringo. That's a bad one. They wrote that for the Rolling Stones. Oh, really? Garbage. I didn't know that. It's trash. They were just giving them trash.
1: Yeah, just hand them like a sub B-side. And they're like, here, we think as little of Ringo as we do of the Stones. Yeah, that's a low point. I don't know what's going on with this 8.6.
0: I guess it's really good, though. I mean, apparently it, it is. It doesn't make mistakes, so the cover of "Money," that's what I want, is pretty good. Um,
1: the sentiment is good. I understand the sentiment of that song. I guess it's. I guess it's a really good album. Let's see. Then the Beatles hit that point in their career where, in the U.S., they were just putting out all these fake bullshit albums, like repackaging old songs and adding singles and shit. I guess we could run scores on some of this. These fake albums, but we don't really need to talk about them. Introducing the Beatles, three point nine. Meet the Beatles, five point four. Twist and shout, seven point six. The Beatles second album, five point six. Okay, that all seems reasonable. Fuck that shit. Oh wait, here, long tall Sally. How about long tall? I guess the difference is just in
0: the order of the tracks. That makes a difference of like four points.
1: Yeah, sequencing is a big deal. Okay, now we come to another real album, though, A Hard Day's Night. To me, this is the first, like, great Beatles album. Yeah, they wrote all of it themselves.
0: There's no covers on it. And yeah. some of them kind of sounds... It kind of sounds like they were rushing through it. But there's some bangers on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, just that first... The very intro of Hard Day's Night is, like, so cool. It's a great song. I mean, most of the songs are, like, melodically fantastic. There's
0: a great key change in And I Love Her toward the end.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: You Can't Do That, that's a great song. Yeah. So let's see. So how good is
1: it? it? How good does it actually deserve to be? 4.9. So this one splits the difference, I guess. It's a pretty short album, I guess. It's just an inch over 30 minutes. You know why this one uh, the score went dropped a little bit? It's because Ringo doesn't sing anything, and it wasn't really fair to keep him off of this one.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. The AI
1: loves Ringo. All right, the next Beatles album in the real chronology is Beatles for Sale. To me, this is the last Beatles album that's like not particularly memorable. I mean, it still has some great songs on it, but it's like the last one before they just went insane. You know, this was before. Or this was
0: all in 1964.
1: Yeah, they're just churning them out. It's is pretty
0: remarkable to put that many in. This is a pretty good one. This is when they added the 12-string, I think. Or they, there might have been some 12-string... I know on Help yeah, there's a there ton of them. There was some on it, the though. last album, but there's a lot on this one. And there's um, some good album tracks. Every Little Thing and What You're Doing are both good songs.
1: I mean, this is like the last time they're still covering Chuck Berry and like Carl Perkins and shit. But yeah, I'll follow the sun is a personal favorite. Yeah, that's a great song. Eight days a week—that's a a classic early Beatles hit, you know. It's
0: pretty stupid though, because that's not.
1: Yeah, yeah it's c- factually—it's fake news, as we would say these days. But I mean, how fucking stupid were they?
0: I mean, I know they're like they were just uh, playing guitar, or playing skiffle instead of going to class. But I mean, basic shit like that—you gotta you gotta learn.
1: You know, I think I admire that there were some conspiracy theories about them, like Paul McCartney being replaced by a robot. But I feel like if the Beatles were around today, there would be people online trying to come up with like numerology theories that there really are eight days a week. And the seven day a week thing is like a fraud by the church and all this shit. That's true. If their fans
0: were online, it would be insane. Like those screaming girls in 1964. Yeah. It would be like at least as bad as K-pop fans.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So let's see, what did we get here for Beatles for Sale? 5.0. That's a slight improvement over the last album. It's okay, it's um...
0: It's mad there are more covers on this one.
1: Yeah, that's, a fa- that's one of the more fair scores we've had so far. Then we got some more bullshit albums here. Beatles 65, okay, I don't even know what the fuck's on that. 1.6, that, that's what it deserves. Okay, Beatles 6. 5.8, hey, not bad. But now we're, we get to help. This is where things, like, actually get unimpeachably good, you know? Yeah, this is a good album. Okay, look, at fucking Pitchfork gave this album a 9.2. After giving Please, Please Please Me a 9.5. What the fuck are you talking about, man?
0: Yeah, that's weird. This is a much better album.
1: Yeah, every song on here, man.
0: Yeah, it's this is a great one.
1: You're Gonna Lose That Girl, that's a good one. This, to me, is also when George Harrison is already starting to get really good, like... Obviously, everyone loves George Harrison's songs at, like, the very end of the Beatles, but something like I Need You is awesome, like, with the guitar tone. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, he was able to pull his weight
0: by this point. I think during the recording of that song, uh, John Lennon heard that, like, the uh, volume pedal thing. And then he wrote Yes It Is to do that.
1: Oh, nice. Which is
0: uh, the B-side to Ticket to Ride. That's a great song. Yeah, absolutely. it's got some interesting chord changes in it.
1: Yeah, this is yeah this is the point in the Beatles' career too where most of the songs start having like much cooler chord progressions. And I'm trying to think what else to say about the, oh you've got to hide your love away is cool um, with like the flutes of different sizes. Where isn't that what they did? Where it's like that thing where you take out one of the parts of the flute to make it sh- like it's not a piccolo. I don't think. I'm pretty sure they just remove one piece of the flute and then play it that way, I think. People could, like, correct me once they hear this and be like, you're a fucking
0: idiot, but... A tenor flute in the spaces in Lennon's vocal track in an additional alto flute part an octave higher than the first. Yeah, yeah. That's cool.
1: And it's about being sus. <laughs> uh, I guess we should mention yesterday. I mean, that's a... The kind of, I mean it's not to me it's not even one of the best Beatles songs, but it just is iconic by the fact that it's so was so overused in popular culture for so long that it like demands some kind of attention.
0: You don't hear it as much anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean it was like it is so s- common
0: for so long. It's the most covered song still, I think. <laughs> we should do a really terrible cover of it. <laughs>
1: No Just one's done people. shit on that's it. That's a
0: funny bit covering a song that's been covered endlessly. Yeah. <laughs> going through like the most covered songs and then doing them.
1: <laughs> yeah, what no. are those? What are the most covered songs? I'm curious. While you're looking that up, I'm going to get this album a score here. 5.6. I guess that's still an improvement. These scores keep going up slightly as we go along, I guess. After they peaked on the second album, Oh, you know who covered yesterday? Huh? You're not going to
0: believe it. It's Bugs Bunny.
1: (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a whole album of Bugs and Friends sing the Beatles. I didn't know this existed. Me neither.
0: Yesterday, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, Eleanor Rigby, Cry Me a River, And I Love Her. Is that really one of the most covered? I guess a bunch of people have done it, but it's not one of their most well-known songs. Summertime from Porgy and Bess. Imagine over the rainbow blackbird that would be pretty good to do uh an over the rainbow cover with the ukulele
1: (laughs) just do a cover of that guy's cover dude are you listening to this bugs bunny cover it's daffy doing yesterday oh it's daffy yeah and then an anvil falls in the middle of the song and interrupts it
0: there's a shadow hanging over me Oh, if you had a vinyl of this, I assume this is from the
1: 60s, right? No, it's from the 90s. 95. It's from the 90s? Dude, yeah. Is this on vinyl? I would buy this if it's, like, not expensive. Is this, like, part of the anthology
0: project? (laughs) Yeah. They did those old songs, and then they reworked stuff with Daffy Duck. Man, this is a hell of a find. uh... We were with Daffy in the studio, and, you know, we still miss John, but... I think we can <laughs> say conclusively that Daffy is uh, a better part of the Beatles than John.
1: Yeah, Daffy is the fourth Beatle and John's the fifth.
0: And they were going to relaunch the band with him as the uh, lead singer. But, but then, then an Space Anvil Jam, on him.
1: the Space Jam contract came through and he was like, guys, I've got uh, bigger projects to move on to.
0: Yeah, Michael Jordan, uh, taller than any of the Beatles.
1: So, so um, Bugs and Friends Sing the Beatles, that album, 2.9, interestingly. Maybe it doesn't like cartoons. Yeah. We, like like we've said in the past, we don't really know the biases of this algorithm. Even though it claims to be flawless, you never know. It's possible it was wronged by Daffy Duck at some
0: point in the past. Yeah. And that factors into it. Like many people
1: have been wronged by Daffy Duck. Um. Let's see here. Rubber Soul, as we move on. This is really just uh, the best shit right here. We're getting into the good stuff. Yeah, that could be my favorite album in theirs. Man, what is my favorite? It's honestly hard. To, like, it's definitely changed over the years, you know? I would say that, like, when I was, like, a little kid, Rubber Soul was definitely my favorite. But
0: Yeah, in my I had life, it on CD, one of those old-ass CDs, like, yeah, when yeah. they were released in 1986. Yeah, my had dad had all of those. on the
1: disc. Like, all those, like, yeah, weird 80s CD releases. And my dad would just play, like, all that shit all the time. Um, But, like, every song on here is fantastic There's not really, like, a weak moment Yeah, it's all good This is one of those albums where it's kind of programmed into my head Where, bef- like, as the track's about to end I can already hear the exact first notes of the next track You know what I mean? Like, the oh, flow yeah, is sure. just so mem- deeply ingrained in my memory
0: It's a great, like, uh, format of album Where it's just barely over 30 minutes Uh, It's got a bunch of songs that are, like, all good, and they sort of run into each other. It's, like, a a satisfying thing to listen to. There isn't, like, a a part where it, like, really slows down or, like, it doesn't get bad towards the end. It's just solid the whole way through and doesn't take up uh, 78 minutes of your time.
1: Yeah. Uh, If I Needed Someone's another, like, underrated George Harrison song, I think. I think we were talking about... uh,
0: how Drive My Car isn't even a song about a fast car. Yeah. <laughs> All the American songs from that time were uh, about really fast cars,
1: like a really fast, shitty car. Yeah, that since will the Kill you
0: if you run over a stick.
1: This song's about like chauffeuring someone. So you're actually assuming it's like this big, pretty like bulky kind of, probably limo y kind of thing, right? Like, I guess there's like a uh, a certain amount of like wealth there, which is cool, but. I don't know, man. All the lyrics are so fucking stupid, too. Like, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, like, man, you can't fucking get away with that shit in the last, like, 50 years.
0: Yeah, there wasn't even a single, so they didn't even have to, uh...
1: Yeah, make it so...
0: They really didn't have to put that in there, but it's funny.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Lots of people have cars. It's relatable. All right, so what does this album get? 0.4. Oh, my God, dude.
0: So maybe it it might be looking at the cover art, which is like distorted. It's in the wrong aspect ratio. So It's possible
1: Uh, that um, the algorithm saw that cover art that was distorted. So then it distorted the record to match it and even it out. And then all the music was distorted and it couldn't hear it. And that's why it got the 0.4.
0: It's possible the AI is mad that there's sitar in it because it hates Indian people.
1: Yeah, once again, we don't know its racial, racial uh, inclinations here.
0: I did feed a bunch of Orientalist literature into it beforehand.
1: <laughs> so that, uh, I don't know. I think once we get to the White Album, it'll confirm uh, or deny these racist allegations against it. Oh, I forgot. Like Another good thing to bring up, though, is that this is the part where we get into the Beatles having so many good non-album singles, you know? Like Day Tripper, We Can Work It Out, all that stuff is kind of a companion to this album.
0: Yeah, it's funny how certain songs get um, forgotten about because they're not on the main albums.
1: Yeah, that was one of those eras where it made sense to leave them off the album, especially when you had as many hits as they did. It was like, fuck it. like Singles are so important, and people would buy 7-inches and stuff. And now we're back in one of those eras, basically. Like Streaming has made it so people don't really give a shit as long as it's available. Yeah. Um, Revolver. Yeah, Revolver, here we go. Another one that's just top to bottom. You can't complain about. Actually, okay, my one complaint on this album is that some of Paul McCartney's shit is cheesy as fuck. Like, he's starting to get into his, like, the period where he diverges from John by just writing more and more, like, cheesy ass, like, you know, Good Day Sunshine type of shit. But I still like those songs. Yeah. They're all great songs. But that is actually my take on this album is that. Lennon is at like peak every single Lennon song on here is insanely good. And then the McCartney songs are good, but not on the same level.
0: Yeah, I think McCartney was like slightly before his peak. They were both before their peak, but he peaked a little bit later, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. Let's see. What did we get here for Revolver? 7.0. Damn, that seems harsh too, but at least it wasn't a zero. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's I could see how that's sort of reasonable. Yellow Submarine. Oh, I
1: oh, I should have said that. I fucking hate that song. That song is like a zero, you know.
0: Yeah, like that's the, it that should have just been a Was that a single?
1: I'm not sure. It was a B-side like to it, Eleanor Rigby. They reused it when they made the animated movie, but
0: yeah, I wish that had been left off the album. It yeah, would have me been too. fine as a, a just a B-side, but and it it's like, throws off the pacing of the album.
1: It comes right before She Said, She Said, which is, like, one of the very best songs. They go from, like, the super cheesy bullshit to, like, one of the coolest. I feel like some some songs, like, She Said, She Said and, like, maybe I Want to Tell You or something are the blueprint for bands like Spoon in the 90s and 2000s. Like, kind of yeah. simple, stripped-down arrangements um, with kind of, like, simple piano parts and, like, overdriven guitar, like... Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Let's keep on rolling. Sergeant Pepper here.
0: What can you say about this one? They must have been smoking crack or something. <laughs> yeah. To come up with all this nonsense.
1: <laughs>
0: this is their K2 album. Yeah, they were really into spice. This was my favorite when I was a kid, and it might still be my favorite. It's good yeah. for when you're like four, because it's very colorful, and they all have like the different color suits... And, and four-year-olds lot, are like so
1: horse noises and all that stuff. Four-year-olds are so fucking dumb and stumbling everywhere, like they're wasted all the time. Anyway, so they're on that same vibe as the Beatles.
0: Yeah, English psychedelia was uh, very like child-oriented. It was about like um, revisiting childhood, whereas it wasn't so much in America. Something
1: that's funny about like British psychedelia that always they always pair that like childish kind of like nursery rhymey major key stuff with like really specific proper nouns in all the songs like uh, the first Pink Floyd album is like that. And so is this era of Beatles stuff like um, I'm sure like Penny Lane. There's so many just like stupid images in it that are just like, oh, he's wearing a rain Mac, you know? Yeah. The specificity is great, though. Oh, yeah. I think Pink Floyd is more guilty of it in, like, the Sid Barrett era of, like, songs where it's like, There's a gnome named Grimble Grumbles. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, shut the fuck up, man. This
0: is... It's making the whole psychedelic movement look bad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Giving them stuff to make fun of you with. Yeah, I'm trying to decide what is my favorite Beatles album at this age. Sgt. Pepper's a possibility. I think that, like, Abbey Road's also possible. And I don't Her know Volta if I like that too. one that much.
0: Oh, uh, it's great. Like, I don't, I wouldn't rank Abbey
1: Road that highly, even uh, though it is great. It's definitely, like, top three. I just can't decide what's number one. I mean, Sgt. Pepper might be my favorite at this age, but let's find out how stupid I am for thinking that, because this album deserves 5.9. It's kind of in the middle of their discography.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's fine. Uh you know, a lot of people on the cover are not actually in the band. They try to pull a little trick on you and stand in front of all these guys and they try to make you think that Karl Marx and Charlie Chaplin and Edgar Allan Poe are in their band. But those guys yeah. have been dead for like twenty years. So
1: And a lot of them were just groupies of the band. And you can't put the fans on the cover, man. Fuck the fans.
0: Yeah, they let a bunch a big crowd of guys come in the place where they had the pictures and they probably stomped all over the flowers on their way out.
1: Yeah, I don't like that. And you got some wacky, shitty instruments on here. Like uh She's Leaving Home. There's all kinds of just cheesy ass, like flowery orchestral crap. Yeah, there's some Oriental uh type stuff. Yeah, that's an that's a good point. This uh algorithm is sticking with potentially racist attitudes in these scores also lovely Rita you're not allowed to make a song about a meter maid that's too working class we want to hear songs about like kings and and you know dynasties
0: yeah it probably thinks fixing a hole is about an asshole yeah (laughs) which it is a day in the life is too discombobulated it's not even yeah. one song. It's a bunch of shit mashed together and the end is so annoying it gets my dog all riled up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was rude of Joe Cocker to do a cover of With a Little Help from My Friends because that might have been the only song the like genuinely great song they gave to Ringo. Oh yeah, by far. And then he had to take what little he had and then
1: yeah, try to steal try to it do from it better me. than him.
0: Like let him have that song, dude. But Ringo's alive and Joe Cocker's dead now. So, look who won
1: that one. <laughs> it, like, for the sake of moral justice or whatever, Ringo has to outlive Paul. But the way that the world actually works is that Paul's just never going to die and Ringo's going to die like tomorrow. I don't think either one of them is ever going to die. Yeah, it's it's quite possible.
0: It would be pretty weird if they lived to like a hundred, like Kirk Douglas.
1: <laughs> well, i'm so glad to be rid of him does the british uh crown have you know how like the president passes to all this weird shit of like oh if the speaker of the house can't be president then it's uh, the secretary of the treasury you know like there's this long line um does the british crown eventually pass down to people who are knighted if the whole royal family was massacred because that would be cool as shit if like paul mccartney became the king at like age 102 that would be pretty cool yeah, it goes the
0: Queen, Prince Charles, um, Jimmy Seville, but he's dead now. Uh Prince Andrew, Elton John, Bono. Nope. But once you get to these guys who are
1: knighted, I think it's the oldest one goes first, and Paul McCartney's gonna have seniority. Oh Actually, yeah. Ringo is the oldest Beatle though, so maybe it's gonna be King Ringo. That would be awesome. Richard the Fourth. I'm not calling on the listeners to Parody the entire British royal family in cold blood But if someone were to do it, it would be cool if Ringo became king All right, next we got an out al- like this is the only like American release that in retrospect is considered an album, right? Like the magical mystery tour EP plus a bunch of singles from the time Yeah, it's an EP and then two singles and like The singles are what puts it over the top. I mean, all the singles are just insanely good. And the EP is mostly good. Yeah. They had filler, but at this point, it was okay that they had filler. Yeah, exactly. There's only a couple filler songs, too, like Flying, that instrumental, that thing's pointless. But like uh, Blue Jay Way is one of the best Harrison songs. Super cool for the time. Like, it's more like chromatic and weird than most mainstream 60s music, for sure. Yeah, that's a great one. I Am the Walrus. Strawberry Fields Forever, even though it's probably a lame opinion, it's, I think, the best Beatles song.
0: Yeah, it's a great song. It's, uh, it's amazing. Just
1: completely flawless. Insane arrangement. Insane song. Just absolutely perfect. But what does this album deserve? 1.4. Man, there's, like, no high scores today. Oh, damn. Maybe it only listened to the first three tracks and then came up with the score then. Yeah, it stopped halfway through flying.
0: Uh, might have thought Paul McCartney was being too mean to the fool on the
1: hill. Yeah, the eyes in his head see the world spinning round. I mean, maybe he's not as stupid as we think. He realized the, earl- the earth is not flat.
0: Yeah, it's, not, it, it's confused internally about whether he's smart or he's a fool. It just makes no sense. It's ridiculous. I, I see why the AI is so angry at it. I am the walrus. I don't know what that guy is talking about. That song, give it a zero. Yeah, it's a bunch of nonsense. They're probably smoking crack uh, to be able to come up with shit this out, off the wall. So I guess it's bad. It's not good at all. It's abysmal. Now
1: we move on to the self-titled album, known as The White Album because of their racial attitudes at the time. Yeah, the whites only album. Yeah. You you got to imagine there's like some white supremacist uh band that has made that, you know. For the Weezer album, see Weezer white album. Oh god, I forgot that. Like we even talked about it on the show and I still forgot that that existed.
0: Yeah, it's really easy to forget. It's just they put out an album Oh my God! The Weezer Black album—they put one out last year. Uh, they put—they've oh. been putting out albums really quick, dude. It's—it's it's insane, and they're—they're they're all
1: just called Weezer. Van Weezer. That's I think coming up. I think it's cool that like, you know, the Beatles were putting out albums really quick, and they were all good. But I like the idea of a band like Weezer who put out its good albums pretty slow, and then sped up to just churn out a bunch of garbage.
0: Yeah. Why are they still doing that? What do they even play on tour? It must be like mostly blue album stuff, and then uh, Beverly Hills
1: and. Um, Let's take, I'm gonna guess that you're probably right. Like
0: after it's probably they're halfway
1: a greatest hit set, and yeah, a couple covers and a
0: couple new ones. I can't. I can't imagine there's so, a lot of stuff from like the 2010s that they're playing. So I don't know why they even put those out. What's the point? You're totally right, out. dude.
1: Okay, here. here's the most recent Weezer set list from November. Buddy Holly, The Sweater Song, Take On Me by AHA, My Name is Jonas, Perfect Situation from uh, the same album as Beverly Hills, Paranoid by Black Sabbath, Holiday, uh, The End of the Game, which I don't know what the fuck that is, so clearly that's a new one, Africa by Toto, Hashpipe, Surf Wax America, The Good Life, Beverly Hills, Island in the Sun, Thank God for Girls, which has to be another recent one. Uh, Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and Pork and Beans. Then their encore is Buddy Holly, Lithium by Nirvana, and Say It Ain't So. They played almost the entire Blue Album. Yeah, so they've and got like nine covers. tracks from
0: the Blue Album and then like w- one from Pinkerton or two. I think two. Um,
1: one. They only did one. Good Life. And they did more covers than any album of theirs besides Blue Album.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, it is very lopsided. I think there are a couple albums
1: where they don't have one song from them. Yeah, that's really funny. Like, but that's what we, that's what we were saying. Mostly blue album, greatest hits. A stu- no like well known band should be playing five covers in a twenty song set. That's so weird.
0: Yeah, they think they're good, but they play the lamest covers. They go for the low hanging fruit. It's basically yeah the bit. I was talking about, like, 20 minutes ago of just covering um, the most covered songs in history. Yeah, absolutely, Like, they did Africa, and it was, like, kind of uh, interesting because it's... I don't know where it came from, the idea to cover that. I don't know if it had some resurgence prior to that.
1: Yeah, but covering Lithium by Nirvana, come the fuck on, dude.
0: Yeah, that's, like, something I would have done in, like, playing uh, when I was 14.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you're the almost contemporaries with that band. Like, In Utero came out the same time as the Blue album. Like, that's fucking just dumb, dude.
0: Yeah. They they were really into doing Paranoid Android for a while.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That sucks. And I'm glad I haven't heard
0: that. It's like, that's, the, you got to go for a more obscure song. And that yeah, yeah. The, the Tears for Fears song, like, there are plenty of good Tears for Fears album tracks you could do that people haven't heard Paranoid by Black Sabbath, like but do the it. reason
1: they're doing the biggest hit by all those bands is they're literally just turning into a cover band. I like guess it pretty much is a cover band. They're just doing,
0: yeah, the most well known songs. Straightforward
1: song. renditions of very well known songs. Like and it's already a quarter of their set. They just need to step it up to the halfway point soon. And then by like twenty twenty five, they can literally just be a cover band that plays arenas. Once Van Weezer comes
0: out, they're just gonna be doing Van Halen covers, aren't they?
1: Yeah. <laughs> They
0: should have David Lee
1: Roth come out. Ooh, yeah! They should do a Vegas thing, with exactly
0: him. as he is now, and do the uh, talk about um, the dance studio where Argentinians come up and
1: they dance the night away. The thing, and like Weezer, as Kelly's Becky Band, name on the wall. That would actually be better than the show he's putting on for real.
0: Yeah, they would. They would agree to that. They would love that.
1: Yeah, I think un- unironically they would do something like that. Yeah, they love, like,
0: paying tribute to arena rock, but way too much. It's supposed to be, like, for bands like that that were um, alternative or grunge or whatever, they were supposed to, like, say, oh, yeah, we don't like all that, you know, the cock rock, all that mainstream yeah. crap. Weezer we was the like... only
1: one that openly did like it.
0: Yeah, like, like occasionally some of them would be like, oh, yeah, well, actually, we like Kiss. Uh Actually, uh, we, we like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but, but Weezer would put Weezer it into a Weezer just does song, it constantly.
1: Yeah, yeah like in, in the, the garage, garage actually,
0: would say that. Yeah, like actually we like Kiss, even though we're um, kind of an alternative band. And they just, we know, man. We know you were into Kiss. It's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you don't have
0: to tell us over and over. So speaking of bands
1: with white albums, the white album, obviously it's bloated, but there's a classic album in there. Yeah, it's kind of,
0: it doesn't. It's kind of a um, a sharp jolt from the last three albums, or not counting Magical Mystery Tour, but like Rubber yeah. Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's all have a certain flow to them. They have like a theme. They have a a sound that's consistent mostly through the whole thing. But this one uh, bounces from a lot of different stuff and doesn't have like a, it doesn't have like a narrative to it. Which is, I guess, part of the point, but...
1: Yeah, especially just because they didn't want to work together, <laughs> but...
0: Yeah, they were just alone in the studio, which could have been... fine... for some of it, but a lot of the... that's not really where the, any of the... The, um, the bad parts about it come from. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because they could all played the same instruments, but it's just some of the songs are just, like, not great. Um, Happiness is a Warm Gun, though, that's
1: one of the best Beatles songs to me. Easy. Yeah, that's a great song. That should have been longer. Like, the way it progresses um, is very unusual for the 60s. It's more like a Radiohead song or something where, like, it goes section, section, section rather than verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know?
0: I think that might have been, like, the inspiration for Paranoid Android.
1: Probably. I mean, they probably in general, that. it's probably the, uh, you know, a lot of the John Lennon stuff from this period is very proto Radiohead and bands like that for sure. I think, too, Radiohead is a band that's chord progressions are a lot like the Beatles, and then me, I just rip off both of those bands all the time, but, like, both of those bands love hiding kind of, like, chromatic descending notes in a song. Like, Blackbird's the perfect example, where in that progression, he's just hitting every single note on a way down, like, descending, but it's hidden by the harmonies, so, like, you pull off all this really cool, weird shit, but it still feels pretty, like, poppy. Yeah, Elliot Smith did that a lot too.
0: Like, yeah, I love that. That's like one of my very favorite moves. This uh this era of the Beatles was like you can hear Elliot Smith in there a lot, especially in the George Harrison songs.
1: Yeah, and this to me is when George Harrison is actually starting to borrow some of those songwriting moves from Paul McCartney and John Lennon. He like synthesizes that kind of stuff into his own thing. The Harrison thing he starts doing on this album is songs like "Why My Guitar Gently Leaps" gently weeps, where um, you do like the minor to the relative major, where you'll have like the minor verses and the major choruses or vice versa. Yeah, that's also a Wolf Parade thing. If Dan was here, I'd call him out on copying these guys on that shit. Wolf Parade's done that on so many songs, dude. Yeah, I've done that too. That's a classic move. It's a great move. I should be doing that more. Yeah, it's a
0: prank. Oh, you thought it was minor? Well, aren't you stupid? Nope. Not anymore.
1: Ooh, uh, worth pointing out that, um, don't pass me by is the only song Ringo ever wrote by himself in the Beatles. And that song fucking sucks. Yeah. You can tell it's also like, again, like we're talking about how the Beatles at this point wrote, like every single chord progression is so unique and cool. Like none of these songs repeat the same type of chord progression, like at all. But then on uh, Don't Pass Me By, it's literally just the 1, 4, and 5 chords doing the most basic, like, country bullshit. There's no surprises, not even, like, the slightest deviation from the most basic thing you could ever do in a song. Yeah, not that good. Nope. But Mother Nature's Son is, like, one of my favorite deep cuts on here. Yeah, that's a good song. Cry Baby Cry, that's a good one. Long 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 is cool because it's them starting to figure out, like, Mellotron and weirder instruments. But Let's see what this album deserves. 6.5.
0: That's
1: easy. There's too much bloat on here, you know? Yeah, they forgot to make a cover for it. Um, Yeah, they they forgot to cover any songs, too. It's all originals. They should have had a couple Chuck Berry songs come back. uh, They might have been mad at... The fact
0: that Revolution 1 was just a shittier demo version of the single.
1: Man, Pitchfork gave this one a 10 out of 10 after it didn't give a 10 to albums like Help. Yeah, how is this a 10 out of 10? Yeah, of this like classic era, like the peak of the Beatles, this is obviously the one that's like less perfect, you know? Yeah, 10 out of 10. Come on.
0: How can you say there are no flaws on the White Album?
1: So, I mean, this one will pass over kind of quickly, I bet you, but uh, the Yellow Submarine soundtrack... I had a CD of this. It's not terrible because there's a couple of hits like Hey Bulldog is actually really good. Like one of the best Beatles riffs. That's a great song. Yeah. You can kind of hear that
0: in Steady As She Goes by the Rackhorn Tours. Yeah. That's like the other song it ripped that. off. And the, uh, the first one is Is She Really Going Out With Him?
1: Altogether now, uh, Andre 3000 covered that at some point. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, that song's childish to me. I, I consider yeah. it to be childish. <laughs> Yellow Submarine gets recycled here. That's lame as shit. So what's this album get? 0.9. That one is 100% correct. Ooh, really doesn't like it. All You Need Is Love and Hey Bulldog are like the two legitimately good songs.
0: Yeah. They're holding down the way. The weight. back half of it is the soundtrack. They re-released, the one I had was Yellow Submarine song track which is for the 1999 re-release, which re- replaced the film music with just a bunch of tracks from Sgt. Peppers. Oh, funny. <laughs> and also Nowhere Man, which I think were in the movie. I don't remember. So that I guess that would be a better album than the uh, original one, but it's
1: mostly yeah. just the greatest hits. Then we move on to the last two albums, which were recorded in the opposite order they're released. So, like, Abbey Road is really the final album, but I guess we'll just do it chronologically. Yeah, Abbey Road, like I was saying, I think it's one of the best. There's almost nothing bad. I don't like George Harrison's all-denim outfit. Yeah, you're right. Anything, well, let's get a score right away so we can comment on this. 0.4. We've we've had three albums under the one-point mark today. This is ridiculous. But you're right. I think it's it's like uh, judging the fits rather than the music here. They all look like a bunch of fools on this cover. Yeah, they need to get out of the road. Also, you guys think you're fucking rock and rollers, but you're using the crosswalk. Why aren't you fucking jaywalking, dude? Yeah, you should be trying to get hit by a car. Man, they killed rock and roll, the
0: real the real shit what it was really about. So, I guess it's bad. Maybe they thought uh Paul was dead. Maybe maybe yeah, it's mad. All his parts are fraudulent. Maybe it's mad that the album cover inspired a cliché. Uh, let's see. Why else is it bad? Um I Want You, She's So Heavy ends abruptly. Uh, forget, forgot yeah. to play the rest of the song, guys. They should have ended that song with... boom. Oh, that would be great. They should should have got Daffy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Looney Tunes were big already at this point. Why are there no Looney Tunes features? That's fucked up. Her Majesty's Too Short. Yeah, you can't have a 23-second song. Spotify wouldn't um, pay you for a play of that. The End is not the last track on the album. That's, uh... Here's... Here's the thing, though. On Side 2, they were ahead of their time in doing what we did of, like, all the one-minute songs to rack up plays. Oh, yeah.
0: They were predicting Spotify.
1: Yeah, they're predicting Sleepy John here. Man, Sun King is a really good underrated song.
0: Yeah. Pretty good.
1: But uh, apparently... Too bad it's a 0.4, Objectively, it's,
0: it's really bad. It's really, really, really not good.
1: Yeah, that one makes me mad. Yeah, the
0: songs are too short. Uh, Maxwell's Silver Hammer kind of sucks. Oh Darling's not that great. Yeah, that's true. I think Oh Darling's all right, but Maxwell Silver Hammer is pretty stupid. John Leonard got sued for Come Together because he said, here come old the flat top. and It was from another song. I don't know why he had to say that. It doesn't even... I don't even know what that means. He could have said anything.
1: Yeah. Uh, Octopus's Garden is stupid as shit and has way too much Ringo Starr. I think he co-wrote that one with Harrison... That's a stinker to
0: some extent. It's only the second song Ringo has ever written, mind you, and it's lovely. George Harrison helped him with it. Yeah, how how did he... He's not, like, trying to write songs
1: on his off time. Yeah, well, that's I remember there's, like, a bunch of Beatles quotes about how he was working on Don't Pass Me By for most of their career. Like... He was trying to write that song when they were all writing these really simple, straightforward songs on the first couple albums, and it took him all the way until the White Album to finish that one shitty song. (laughs) And by that point he just looked like an idiot compared to that. The rest of them had written like 200 songs and he was just... Yeah, if Don't Pass Me By was on like with the Beatles, it would be like oh okay, that's like a mediocre track on here but that's fine. Yeah. Oh man. I love Ringo. What a wonderful man. So here we get to the end, Let It Be technically the second to last album in terms of uh, when they recorded it but they didn't put it out till they already broke up. John Lennon said they never finished the album. Then uh, Paul McCartney fucked with it in the early 2000s and just added all these strings and just did dumb shit to it. That was in that was back then. Maybe he fucked with it again.
0: But it was in like 1970 I
1: think. I think he, he Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, he added all the shit then, and then in 03 or so, he uh, stripped all that shit off and then re-released it again. Yeah, I think... That's what it is.
0: Oh, yeah. Paul McCartney didn't want that stuff on there, but it's fine. I don't know. I never understood why he was mad about that. I guess because John had Phil Spector work on it without asking him. But yeah, to me, it's kind of a song-by-song
1: song thing of which version is better.
0: Like, the strings on the long and winding road are good. It's, like, cheesy, but it's... I think the song think is cheesy, so it
1: needs them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they need to be there. I think Dig a Pony is a classic. Across the Universe for me is like a top five Beatles song. But the best version of it to me is one that's, I think, from, I don't know if it's from Anthology or some other like bootleg, but there's one where like the sitar is mixed much higher and there's more like samples and loops and stuff.
0: And it's very cool. I, Me, Mine, that's a great song, except for the chorus, I guess.
1: Yeah. Two of Us is actually surprisingly good because it's, they sound so, like, weary and, like, sick of it that it actually, like, makes it better than it would have been if they didn't sound exhausted.
0: Yeah, but they wrote it for each other, which is
1: kind of sus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like how in uh, Wait the Whisper Song by the Ying Yang Twins, they're
1: whispering to each other. <laughs> yeah. They're just giggling and standing next to each other in the club, not talking to any women, just whispering to each other and giggling like little schoolgirls. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, but then on the second half of uh, Let It Be, there's some stinkers. Like, One after 909 is one they wrote in the very beginning of their career, and so it's just that kind of cheesy-ass bullshit. Yeah, throw away. For You Blue, Not That Great. Yeah, Get Back is good, but the second half of this album's like kind of weak. And what is the correct score? 5.3. That's one of the more accurate scores, but still kind of cruel. That's a little low, but Yeah, it's a little low, but it's reasonable, I think.
0: It's within the range of reasonability. Yeah, that's not insane. The cover That last the, 0.4 is still making me mad right now. The cover kind of sucks. It's like I don't know why iconic, it's iconic. by it, like, default. It it's yeah. they've got like
1: different background colors. It's just a bunch of random pictures. That's a good point. Like, from a graphic design perspective, it wasn't very well thought out. Like, any graphic designer today who thinks about that shit wouldn't put that, like, red Paul McCartney one. Yeah. they. Uh, um, if you
0: look at a yearbook from, like, the 70s, yeah, that's, that's that. what it looks like for the page about, like, uh, the theater club or whatever. And they've got the active yeah. shots. That's what it's going to look like. <laughs> I don't know why that became their most famous cover. I guess because it's so easy to parody. Because it's, it's like a meme, it's just a fill in the blank. You just yeah. you have four people and you just put, the, put them in the boxes.
1: But I love the idea, you're right, like the, the AV club type of thing. Like Liverpool High School AV Club. Yeah, it doesn't look that great. Who designed that?
0: Probably some moron. But yeah, I think this is the most in-depth anyone has ever gone into the Beatles catalog. They were going to do, uh, the cover was going to be the Please Please Me cover, but they're at that same balcony now. Which would have been a much better idea. That would have been so much better. Yeah, that's actually cool. Yeah, I like that a lot.
1: I didn't know that story. Instead of this crap, let it be naked. Actually, yeah, what if they just did that today? Dig up uh, George Harrison and John Lennon's skeletons, and then two old guys standing there with them. Let it be really naked, down to the bones.
0: It's so weird that in 2003, Paul McCartney wanted
1: to do that. That was his era of just being like a psycho where... He also tried to get the copyright changed so that every song was credited to McCartney and Lennon instead of Lennon and McCartney.
0: Yeah, who gives a shit? I know, him, because he's petty and shitty. Well, I guess John Lennon was dead, so... Yeah, that's why he thought he could pull a fast one. Dig a Pony features two major fixes and edits. An off-pitch note sung by Lennon and his second because was digitally (laughs) pitch-corrected. Funny, I didn't know So they went in and digitally edited shit, so it's like... It's supposed to be more authentic, but they're also going in and changing the master. You're making it
1: less authentic. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, like, so basically, at the end of all this, the highest ranked album was with the Beatles. Oh yeah, that's true. That's so infuriating. That's like genuinely making me mad. That's literally the worst album. But it turns out that we're wrong about everything. So.
0: Yeah, I guess it's sometimes you learn things. What about the, uh, the Christmas album? Oh, yeah, it was, like, for their fan club or something, right? Um, I'm trying to find that. The Beatles Christmas Records. So I
1: guess they were, it was a series of seven inches. Oh, yeah, I see. So it's, like, a seven-inch they did every year for their fan club. Man, what the fuck were they thinking? The first song they did was Good King Wenceslaus. (laughs) No one wants to hear that. Come on. Yeah, that's not a banger. Oh, my God, dude. The song, so it was "Good King Wenceslas," and then it ended with a closing chorus of "Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ringo." Damn, that's someone should have beat their little asses. That's so stupid. Ugh. Uh, that's then awful. the next in '64, they did "Jingle Bells." Ooh, I was thinking earlier it'd be funny if we covered "Yesterday" really shittily, but they already did that in one of the Christmas records. They did several off-key acapella versions of "Yesterday" dispersed throughout the record. That's a pretty good bit. That's actually a good bit, yeah. The Beatles were also very funny, like, they, uh... Especially in the early days, they were so good at dealing with the press by just making jokes and shit. Yeah. Let's get a score for Good King Wenceslaus. 5.5. It's uh, one of the better
0: things they put out. It's better than Abbey Road. Yeah. I like the cover of the seventh Christmas record.
1: Yeah, it's really artful, actually. Like, just kind of like a, a... What do you call it? Like when you move the camera while you take the photo and it's all blurred. Yeah, that could be like a fucking Sonic Youth album cover. Yeah, that was ahead of its time. Why'd they use it for the Christmas album? That should have been the Let It Be cover. Yeah, seriously, that's like a fucking amazing cover right there. And it's just called The Beatles' Seventh Christmas Record. Ooh, the 7-inch the features an extensive visit with Lennon and his wife Yoko at their estate where they play What Will Santa Bring Me? games. Jesus Christ, that sounds awful, dude. They were probably nude, too. That's uncomfortable. Ringo appears briefly um, to publi- publicize his recent film, The Magic Christian. Damn, it'd be fun to get your hands on the 7-inch. It sounds fucking stupid. Yeah, I guess they sent him out to a lot of people. Let's see what that one um, deserves for a score. 4.4. All right. Cool. I think we've uh, pretty much covered it here. Those
0: are the objective
1: scores. Yeah, now we know the real story about the Beatles. Not that good, and they peaked on their second album. Yeah. Well, i got to change my opinions, I guess. Making the necessary corrections now. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away.